Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to say thanks uh, to our first reader today, Linda Landy, uh, not only a reader, not only a choir member, uh, but a one-time secretary of our board of uh, directors, a Bible study leader here at St. Andrew, uh, about to uh, say farewell to her as she uh, relocates back to her native uh, Wisconsin. Thank you, Linda. Or should I say, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> Blessings as you go. Uh, in the uh, tradition and history of uh, the faith, uh, today is known as the Sunday of the Holy Trinity. And in the interest of full disclosure, uh, the word Trinity is nowhere to be found in the pages of uh, scripture. Uh, but it began and evolved as uh, a response to an early church heresy that was known as Arianism. Uh, which was about uh, who Jesus was and who he is in relationship to the Father and the Holy Spirit, which actually is explained in the pages of Holy Scripture and uh, also gave rise uh, to the creeds that we say and many of the songs that we sing uh, together in the life of the church. Not only that, but uh, the Sunday of the Holy Trinity is also uh, an occasion uh, traditionally for reading the last four uh, verses of Matthew's Gospel uh, which, as you heard, names the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it also uh, provides the marching orders of Jesus for the mission of his church, which he gives uh, to his 11 remaining apostles. Uh, in fact, uh, that passage of scripture has come to be known as the Great Commission of Jesus, uh, which is a phrase that was coined only a couple of hundred years ago by a German Lutheran guy, uh, whose name was Justinian von Veltz, uh, who founded a, a missionary organization for lay people and who taught that this great commission of Jesus, as he called us, called it, uh, wasn't just for 11 apostles, it isn't just for pastors, but it's all for all the faithful people of God, which is uh, why I sometimes uh, pronounce the word co-mission. Because as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this is the moment when Jesus makes his mission our mission. He makes his will our work. And that also explains why we celebrate the Sunday of the Holy Trinity and we read this passage right after the celebration of Pentecost. When the spirit is poured out, the church is born and the mission gets underway. Uh, you may have also noticed in the last few weeks uh, that the Great Commission of Jesus isn't just in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 28. It's also in Luke chapter 24 at the end of his Gospel. It's also in uh, Acts chapter 1 at the beginning of the church's early history where at the ascension Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. It's also in Mark 16. It's also in John 20 uh, when after the resurrection Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. And those are all great commissioning words, although arguably uh, Matthew's version is the dominant one that we like to talk about a lot. And you also may have noticed uh, that uh, like a number of other churches have done in recent years, St. Andrew actually has its own mission statement, uh, which is our way of putting the words of the Great Commission into our own words into our context and the time in which we serve. And so the mission of the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew, which you can find in your service folder on our website, uh, on the cover of our newsletter and in other places, 
is to demonstrate God's love by caring for all people and helping them to know and follow Jesus. Mission of St. Andrew, to demonstrate God's love by caring for all people and helping them to know and follow Jesus. So that may sound a lot like motherhood and apple pie, but I can assure you that those words were chosen very carefully, very deliberately after a lot of conversation around here and a lot of prayer as well as our way of saying that we start by aiming for the heart, by demonstrating God's love. And we don't start by cramming information into somebody's head, though there is a time and a place also for doing that. We are here uh, not just for some people, like Lutherans, who are great, but we are here not just to be a franchise of Lutheranism. We are here not for some people. We are here for all people. And we are here not just to sign people up to become members of this congregation so that you can call us when you get in trouble like it's the auto club. We are here to actually help all people to know and to follow Jesus. And we do it by demonstrating our love, by caring for all people. Well, you know, I have to confess to you that, you know, after being here at St. Andrew as long as I have, I found myself asking the question, what in the world am I going to say about the Great Commission that I have not already said? Uh, to which a friend of mine told me last week, don't worry, Mark, they don't remember what you've already said. <laughs> to which I said to him, you don't know this congregation. Uh, but it did get me thinking about a very different question uh, with which I started out this time around. And that question is, hey, how's the Great Commission going these days? How's it going for you, for us, uh, for the world that we live in? As I, and as I thought about that question, you know, it just struck me again, you know, how many things have changed, how times have changed in my own lifetime. And how when I was growing up, and my pastor stood up and he preached a sermon on the Great Commission. It was mostly about sending missionaries to foreign lands. Because back then, like in the 1950s and the 1960s in America, Lutheran churches and those of many other denominations, I mean, they were popping up all over the country, everywhere. Because uh, that great influx of tens of millions of European immigrants, largely, who had given birth uh, to what we know as the greatest generation, was now seeing yet another generation being born and growing up. They're called the baby boomers, of which I am one of them, a younger one of them. Uh, but back in those days, the baby boomers were coming of age and uh, Sunday school classes uh, were just uh, filled, confirmation classes were filled, youth groups uh, were, were filled as uh, the church in America was booming in, in many significant ways. And as a matter of fact, uh, the senior pastor of the church I served as an associate told me one time, uh, that back in the mid-1960s, there were times when they had to confirm half of the class at the early service and the other half at the late service because there were so many many of them. And uh, since then, the culture has also changed. 
It's, it's a different time and a different place today. Back in the day, you know, Sunday was a holy day, not just for the church, but for the culture uh, that we lived in. Uh, which was marked by the fact a lot of stores were closed, as uh, some of you might uh, recall, and uh, there were no sports activities or birthday parties for children, and whatever you did, you did after worship on Sunday morning, and we had to leave early. I mean, just get a place to park in the neighborhood uh, surrounding the church, and, and back in that day, you know, the seminary classes of people like, you know, Ken Carlson, Bob Moorhorse, Bruce Hartung, I mean, they were three and four times the size of the one that produced Nicholas Gonzalez, which was half the size of the one from which I graduated as well. And so a lot has changed when it comes to the Great uh, Commission. So by the time I got to St. Andrew, I remember uh, in my early days here, uh, some people came and they wanted me to be a short-term missionary over in Uganda, and I was kind of excited about doing that. And I looked it up. I found that Uganda is 85% Christian. And that the number of people in Uganda who claim no religious affiliation is 0.2% of the population. Here in America, Christianity is declining. And the number of people in America uh, today, at least by one survey, that claims no religious affiliation is something like 31.3%, which is up from 5% in the early 1970s. Last week I was talking to a leader in our uh, denomination who reminded me the last year, 2022, our denomination graduated 61 new pastors, put them into the service of the church. 239 retired in the same year, 2022. Not counting the ones who resigned uh, or died uh, or left office for some uh, other reason. And on top of all of that, just to make matters a little worse for you today, uh, the Barnard Research Institute published a, a more recent uh, survey indicating that 42% of America's clergy thought about leaving the ministry within the last year. Some uh, because their church never bounced back from COVID. Some uh, because of issues that caused them to feel like they were a rope in somebody else's tug of war. And the question is, you know, why is that? And the answer is, well, you know, it kind of depends who you ask. Uh, some people point to changing demographics or the end of the baby boom, or the declining of the birth rate, though the last time I checked, the population of the country was growing. Others have pointed to the increasing secularization of our society and the degree to which even Christians are kind of buying into that. Yet another survey from 2019 said that the majority of church-going Christians are not even familiar with the term Great Commission. But you are. Another survey by World Vision uh, indicates that uh, people in the ages of 18 to 29, when they see a church, the first two words that come to their minds are irrelevant and judgmental. Uh, others point uh, to the infiltration of politics into the life of the church. 
where more people identify the word evangelical with a political movement than a religious or spiritual one having to do with knowing and following Jesus. And others point to the fact uh, that there's all this infighting among and uh, within denominations and even local churches. And for some crazy reason, people don't seem to be attracted to that kind of stuff. And then there was another comment that was made to me that the church I was in read every book in the world except for the Bible. And so it depends who you ask. And maybe all of that kind of goes into the soup. But let's go back to Matthew 28, to that incredible moment on the top of that mountain, somewhere in Galilee, where Matthew reports to us that they worshiped Jesus. And then adds another downer. But some doubted. And the question is, why is that? Why would somebody doubt after all that had happened? Well, you know, some people think that it's actually because they were in Galilee. And with the 11 were Galileans who weren't in Jerusalem, who weren't there to see the events of Holy Week, who didn't witness Jesus on the cross. And so they doubted. Some uh, point out quite correctly, I might add, that even people of very strong faith can have their spiritual struggles and their doubts, which is most certainly true. Yet others call attention to the fact that in the Greek language, there are actually two different words for doubt, one of which has to do with unbelief or disbelief. It's like Thomas in John 20, when he said, I won't believe until I see him for myself. The other word for doubt has more to do with hesitation, like wavering, as in, hey, I know it happened, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it, which is to say and give rise to the idea that I don't doubt Jesus. What I really doubt is me and my commitment to him. And yet, in the midst of all of that, on the top of that mountain, on that great day in Galilee, Jesus gives to his 11 remaining apostles and to those Galileans who were also present his great commission. And he tells them, imperfect, wavering, hesitating as they are, that it's go time for you. And then uh, comes the next sentence uh, where I want to point out just a couple of things, one of which is that when, when he says, go uh, make disciples, uh, a more accurate translation of the passage into English might actually sound more like, as you go, in your going, disciple the nations. And so Jesus is not saying in this passage, you got to stop what you're doing and you got to go to seminary or you have to become a professional church worker, which would be great because we need a lot of those. And that is what he did in other places. That's what he still does from time to time for people to in this very day. But that's not what he says here. What he's saying is, as you go, in your going, as you just live your life, make disciples, disciple the nations. 
And the word for nations, as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago already, is the word ethne, ethnic, meaning not just some people, but all people. People of every race, every culture, every language, every land, every language, all people on the mission field on which you stand and not just in a foreign land very, very far away. And how do you do that? How you make disciples? Well, you give them baptismal grace. In other words, you speak of the new life that comes when we enter into the family of God. And in some cases, baptismal grace will lead to the actual baptism. In some other cases, as was true with me, baptized at three weeks old, it begins with the baptismal grace, and then I grow up in that family of God because somebody then followed that baptismal grace by teaching me what he has commanded me, helping me to live that way as a child of God, as a brother of Christ, in response to that grace. And what do you get out of that? Well, you get somebody else's name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you also get the presence of Jesus Christ and his purpose in your life as he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you in this to the very end of the age. And so, you know, what I want to say about the Great Commission this time around, as I think about all the statistics I just threw at you, you know, I have to say that as much as it's ever been true, it is so true that today is go time for the church that bears the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's got to be go time. And I would also say uh, to you that in order to do this co-mission with which he has entrusted wavering, hesitating people like us, you don't have to be an apostle, you don't have to be a pastor, although that would be great. But you don't even have to have perfect faith to do it. You just got to be ready as you go, as you live your life, to be his witness and to give a testimony of the hope that lies in you. And, and listen, this doesn't have to be really complicated. You know, all you got to say is, you know, I don't know what in the world my life would be like without Jesus. That's it. You know, I don't know where I'd go with my guilt if it wasn't for him. I don't know where I'd get my hope. I don't know where I'd get my comfort. I mean, I cannot even begin to fathom the relationships that I would not have in my life if it wasn't for him. And I'm here to help you check that out. The other thing I want to say about the Great Commission uh, this time around is thanks. You know, thanks for coming back from COVID. And uh, thank you for the fact uh, that, as I mentioned again, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, that there was a time when this congregation looked at each other and said, hey, it's time to go. It's go time. And there you went out and you built a bigger house. 
not just for yourself, but for people that you didn't even know yet. You hadn't even met them. You had no idea who they would be. And now, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 women and men and girls and boys who call St. Andrew their church home since that time. I want to say thanks for our uh, outreach ministry that canceled their activities here at the church yesterday in order to go and do street evangelism in downtown Silver Spring yesterday with music and words of, of witness, demonstrations of God's love for all people. I want to say thanks that this family comes from somewhere between 30 and 35 different countries, ethnes, all around the world. I want to give thanks. Uh, the next year's confirmation class looks to be about twice the size of this year's uh, uh, confirmation class. I want to give thanks for all of that. But above all, I want to give thanks to the one who took us to that mountaintop and said, it's go time. And I know you're wavering, and I know that there are times when you're going to hesitate. I know your faith isn't always perfect. I'm entrusting you with my mission. For the greatest cause that this world will ever know, and I want to give thanks finally for the fact that every single one of you here today is here because it was go time for somebody else. And they took the mission of Jesus Christ and they went and they showed you baptismal grace and they taught you what it's like to live that way for the glory of God. And as I give thanks, and I invite you to give thanks with me, I also pray that it, was all, that it will always be go time here at St. Andrew, that would, we would keep going and keep going and keep going to demonstrate God's love by caring for all people and helping them to know and to follow Jesus Christ for the joy and the hope and the peace and the comfort of their life and for the glory of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.